Hello, my friend. Welcome to the DDP. For the 29th day of July, I am Paul White. Thanks for joining me as we are in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We did the famous, be diligent to present yourself approved of God yesterday. I'm sorry. Be diligent to present yourself approved of God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We did that yesterday. I started to get ahead of myself in the way I was saying that. And I think it sets inside of a context. Remember, 14 told you, Paul told Timothy not to um, strive about words that don't profit. It just ruins people. Then in 16, shun profane and idle babblings, empty chatter in the Greek, for they will lead to more ungodliness. In between those two verses is be diligent to present yourself approved to God. So it tells me that the be diligent passage is not simply about studying or knowing how to preach properly. In fact, it's probably not even really primarily about that at all. Since it sets in this context of striving and profane and idle babblings, it tells me that approved workers are those who know who they are and they parse out and divide out the truth. But the disapproved way to work is to strive about words which ruin the hearer and have profane and idle babblings that increase to more ungodliness. So you have an option to open your mouth as someone who is rightly dividing, rightly straight cutting, as we said, rightly parsing truth, or you can open your mouth and just argue over all of these other things. So that seems to be where that fits contextually. Let's go to work on these next few verses, which are really continuing this theme. Shun profane and idle babblings. They're going to increase to more ungodliness. 17. And their message will spread like a cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort. Um, that word spread like a cancer, a little bit closer. Um, when we think cancer, we kind of think of that in a different way, I think, than, than perhaps um, they did in the New Testament world. It's really a word closer to gangrene. This is the spreading of an infection. Um, the message of the profane and idle babblers is a message, Paul says, that has spread like gangrene. And then he mentions Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort. Now, Hymenius is a guy he mentioned back in 1 Timothy 1. And when we were there, I brought up that he gets mentioned again in 2 Timothy. Um, he's one of Hymenius and Alexander. Uh, delivered over to Satan so that they do not blaspheme. You'll, you'll recall uh, that when we, we taught that, that was several weeks ago. I'm going to go over that because if we go over things again and again within the same study, then we don't get anywhere. And I've always been not been a fan of that. So go back, check that out from the, from the studies in 1 Timothy 1. Um, but do recall that he had made shipwreck of his faith. And so here he gets repeated again. Philetus is a character that's new. He, he doesn't get mentioned anywhere else in the New Testament. And so, whereas Hymenius was mentioned with Alexander back in 1 Timothy, here he's mentioned with Philetus, and so no mention of Alexander, so whatever, for, for whatever that means. Um, although, we're, we, it could be the Alexander that's coming up in chapter 4, but we'll, we'll not get there for a couple weeks, knowing my pace. So we'll leave him alone for now. I don't think it matters what the bio of these guys is for purposes of understanding why Paul calls them out. I think it's also important to repeat that this is a letter, a personal letter from Paul to Timothy. 
So it's not like Paul's standing on the street corner calling out Hymenaeus and Philetus. But he does tell Timothy the reason why these guys have abandoned him, and it's for this, verse 18, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Um, this is a let me let me deal with this in two ways. First of all, there was a very Gnostic belief in Paul's day that denied bodily resurrection and claimed only a spiritual resurrection at conversion, and that resulted in an overemphasis on present experience. It gave no real hope for the future. I think, my, my studies of Paul, Paul preached a hybrid of that. I think he very much preached spiritual resurrection at conversion. But he didn't leave it there. He didn't claim that's the only thing resurrection is. He claimed that resurrection to come was an entirely different form of living than we were familiar with. That's why his 1 Corinthians 15 argument is so important because he says there's the terrestrial, that's us of of sort of terraforma, and there's the celestial, that's the us of the heavens. And we haven't yet seen the fullness of us of the heavens, but we've been made partakers in his resurrection now. Romans chapter 6 Ephesians chapter 3 uh, or 2, Colossians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3. These are those moments where Paul talks about a resurrection that is in your past and your present, and yet there's a resurrection in your future. So from a Gnostic first century standpoint, Paul seems to be saying in 2 Timothy 2, uh, these guys are denying a future resurrection. But if you just pulled this out of context and said, um, these guys say the resurrection is, is in the past, out of context, so does Paul. Paul says resurrection is in the past. The difference is Paul doesn't think the fullness of resurrection is in the past. He thinks you start to participate in resurrection in the past. The same way that your spiritual death is at Calvary, which is a past event. Your resurrection is at his resurrection, which is a past event. However, we haven't walked into the fullness of that resurrection. That seems to be a portion of Paul's doctrine. And, and then they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, verse 19, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And this is a quotation from number 16, um, according to the Septuagint, which was the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And Paul claims this to be inscribed on the people of God, basically, in their eternal decree, uh, which is a security that we have, sort of a no man plucks you out of his hand. That's what a seal's about, by the way. If you're sealed, then it's done. The solid foundation of God's sands, having this seal, the Lord knows who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Um, this is also part of the membership of who we are. And we are his and we depart from who we used to be. Let me repeat, it can't be a seal set by God if it's not a royal decree. This is probably one of the most, if we would take it serious, 
one of the most solid arguments for you don't lose your salvation because it's sealed that the Lord knows those who are his. All right, we continue tomorrow from 2 Timothy 2. See you then. God bless.